Good morning again, Christ Fellowship. Good morning, good morning. Y feliz día de las madres for all the mommies in the house. Does everyone know what's the title of our series? Okay, just in case any of you were taking a nap during the last like 10 minutes. What is the name of our series? More Than Conquerors, Living By and Not By Sight. So what we're going to do to start things off today, I want to test our five senses, you could say. The first one and the last one, it's going to be for all of us to participate in. But the middle three, because it's Mother's Day, I'm going to ask them, I'm going to select three mothers to do the little test. But we'll do the first one first, okay? So right now, this moment, in the back, there's going to be a picture. And I want you to guess what this picture is of. It's going to be there in three, two, right there. Okay? What do you think? This is a test of your sight. What do you think this is? All right? Anyone else? I heard a couple things. All right? Just in case you're not sure what it is, that is a zoomed-in picture of a, of a wrench. All right? Pretty much the little dial that you rotate on the wrench. It's zoomed in. Could you go back to it again just so that they could see it right there, you see? That's the little part in the wrench. So some of us might have to make an appointment to see the eye doctor afterwards, but that's on, that's on you, that's on you. All right, the next one, I do need a mother that's in the house. Just one, just one. Actually, Jen, why don't you help um, select one? If you would like to volunteer, just put up your hands. Any mothers? And Jen will look around. Any moms? Just, uh-oh, it's Selena. It's Selena, you could come forward. So, okay, why don't we thank God for Selena? She's one of our ushers here. So I want you to look over there and close your eyes. All right? So now my assistant is going to bring over something. And keep your eyes closed. Okay, there's a little plate in front of you. And there's a little item there. I want you to pick it up and smell it with your eyes always closed. And you're going to guess what scent it is. Don't eat it. Just smell it. <laughs> but what, what's the smell? What's the smell? Oh. Any guess? Mix of lavender or something. It's actually an apple cinnamon. Does it smell it again? Do you smell a little apple cinnamon? A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Here, a little gift for you so you could smell it more at home and burn it here. That's the extra one you just smelled too, so you could have that one too. All right, that smell. Now we're going to do taste. We need Jen, someone, a mother to taste something that we bring to you. Uh-oh. Let's hear it for Kalina. Woo! 
So, <laughs> va a ser sardinas. No, 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 I'm joking. All right, look forward, look forward. Close your eyes, don't open it. And don't worry, it's not a candle uh, thing. Keep your eyes closed. You're going to take a little item that's there, and you're going to put it in your mouth, and then you're going to guess. <laughs> I am serious. All right. No, don't be. The whole thing, just go for it. Don't worry. You've eaten it like tons of times before. Uh, a butterfinger. Look, she was so scared it was a butterfinger. So, uh, obviously, uh, mothers did love things that smell good, and mothers love chocolate, too. So here you have more Butterfingers and more M&Ms for you, and you can finish off that little piece of Butterfinger, or Elliot will help you. I know he'll definitely have it. That's not a problem. Now, this could be a little scary one. I need someone to do touch, okay? Why don't we get a mom on this side, Jen? Go, Jen. You got to run. You got to run. We had two from this side, one from this side. Uh-oh. I saw you yesterday. <laughs> you see, who would have known you'd have been here? All right. Huh? Actually, you're good. You're good for now. All right, keep your eyes closed. I'm going to have you put your hand in a box. It might be a hamster. No, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, all right, keep your eyes closed. Now you're going to feel So Put your hands out, both of them. Turn it over. Now, we do have to warn you. Oh, keep your eyes closed. <laughs> keep your eyes closed. We do have to warn you. Don't squeeze this item too tight, all right? Money. Money up. All righty. Keep your eyes closed. You have to guess what it is. Oh, beautiful rose, like all the women in the room. And we actually have another rose for you because I wasn't sure if you were going to break it in the process of touching it. So here you go. Happy Mother's Day. Mwah. Why don't we thank all three of the volunteers? Now, there is still one more, and it's hearing, the sense of hearing. Now, all of us, you're going to really be a part of this, too. There's going to be a noise Sa a sound clip that's going to be um, played, and you have to guess what sound this is. So everyone stay quiet. All right. Could anyone guess what that is? I hear a rabbit. I hear a guinea pig. I hear my husband. I don't know who said my husband, but. All right. So I know there's a lot of different things you shouted out. That is actually the sound of a guinea pig. All right. So if you must have owned the guinea pig when you were little, you definitely knew that was a, a, pretty much a sound. So, guys, so check it out. Obviously, we want to be more than conquerors. We want to live by faith and not by sight. And one of the biggest challenges we have is to try to figure out what reality is. What is reality? Because we interpret reality through our five senses, and we decide what reality ends up being. But what's the truth is that we need to realize is there's really two 
realities, you could say, two perspectives happening. The one that you see and the one that God sees. And it's two different, really, realities. Now, I want to read a passage. It's from um, Colossians chapter 3, starting at verse 1. And it says this. Since then, you have been, once again, I just want to say Colossians chapter 3, 1 through 2, because I know the reference is not there, just in case you want to write it down. Since then, you have been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So right here, it's pretty much the scripture is telling us to set our mind on things above, that Jesus is sitting above, and we pretty much have to have that type of perspective. And when you think about it, when you're on a plane, When you're on a plane, the view that you have is very different than when you're walking on the street, right? It's a completely different perspective. And here, pretty much in this passage, the Apostle Paul is telling us that set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Your angle to what reality is, is through his perspective. Let me tell you, like, even here, I know this wasn't easy, in a sense, to try to guess certain items of what you're smelling or what you're tasting. Obviously, we could have made it even extremely harder, but you could get it wrong. Because here, we could easily interpret things wrong as we're living through this life. And I don't know about you, but I want to be able to see things through God's eyes. I want to see things through his perspective. I want to know reality the way that he sees it, not the way that I interpret it through my five senses. How many times we get things completely wrong because of what we're smelling, what we're tasting, what we're looking at, what we're listening? I mean, some of us think that people said something to us that they never even said. And we interpret the reality of what's around us in so many times, in so many wrong ways. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, it says this. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, okay? And that's really hard because we want to be able to see everything. We want to be able to feel everything. We want to be able to hear everything, taste everything, smell everything. It pretty much says, hey, so fix your eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Now I have a question for you. What's more real? This table that's here or the Holy Spirit? You see, obviously, this table is real because we feel it and it's present. But God wants us to walk through life depending on him and realizing that pretty much the things that we cannot see, it's a greater reality than what we could physically see, touch, and feel through our own senses. So the fact that we are, you know, the Holy Spirit is definitely here. You know, God is present. God is always moving. God is always doing things. But so many times, because we don't interpret it the way that we would want it, 
then we feel like he's not there. And let me tell you something. God is more concerned with you to trust him and have faith in him than to feel him. And so many times when you, especially in the beginning, when you first give your life to God, you want to feel God. You want to feel his presence. Let me tell you something. Especially as you grow in maturity with God, there'll be seasons you don't feel nada of his presence. But he wants you to have faith. What is the need to have faith if you feel his presence 24-7 completely tangibly? He wants you to trust him and have faith in him. So as we continue, I want us to even read this. In Hebrews 11, verse 6, it says this. And this is going to be something that might surprise us. And it says this. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible. You cannot please God if you don't have faith. It says, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So right there it tells you, it's like, you know, if you want to please God, you have to have faith. You have to trust him. Even when you don't see him, even when you don't feel him, even when, I don't know what cologne he wears, when you smell him, you know, (laughs) it's like, even if you don't get to see through your senses that God is involved, you still have to have faith. Have faith that he is there, that he's active, that he is seated on the throne. And as long as God is seated on the throne, no matter what your circumstances around your life might look like. It doesn't matter. Because God is still in control. God is still sovereign. God is not sweating over your circumstances. God is still there. He's still on your side just because he hasn't reacted and responded the way that you would want him to. You're praying for, you, for him to remove you from the situation. And he's like, no, I have you in the situation. I'm not going to remove you. I need you there. I need you to be a witness there. I need you to be my, my mouthpiece there. It's like so many times we pray for certain individuals to leave our lives because they're pretty much being like, like a big irritation to us, you could say. But the truth is those people are there because God has allowed it one way or another. So for us, imagine if we start praying instead of what we want from interpreting things through our five senses to turning to God and saying, God, what are you looking at through your vantage point? Through your perspective, what is it that you see? Because let me tell you, I could get things wrong. You could get things wrong if we just rely on our five senses. So here, because we know and without faith, it is impossible to please God. And something with that verse is so cool. It says that he rewards those that earnestly seek him. He rewards you for seeking him, for chasing after him, for putting him first. In the morning, turning to him and praying to him before you look and update your status on Facebook, 
before you post things, before you look at Instagram, before you do anything else, Twitter, before you listen to any other, the news, the TV, the radio, imagine how different our life would be if we tune into God first thing in the morning. In the morning, tuning into him and saying, God, as I go through this day, through my senses, there's going to be a lot of noise and a lot of static. Because that's what this world brings, a lot of noise and static. But I never want to lose tune to what you want to tell me. I never want to lose, or lose sight of what you're doing and I want to be a part of it. Because let me tell you, how many of us might completely be missing out what God has for our lives just because we interpret life through our senses and not through God's vantage point. We could be missing out on so much. So what is faith? In the back and behind me, there's going to be uh, the statement. Faith, obviously, faith, there's a lot of components to it. But for today, the main um, focus I want you to look at is here. Faith is seeing life from God's perspective, and taking action. So right there, faith is seeing life from God's perspective and taking action. It's not good enough just to look at it from his perspective and not do anything. You know what I mean? Like you have to first look at it from his perspective, not your perspective, no matter what you're going through, not your perspective. You know, we're, we're human. You know, our own hearts could deceive us. I've had people tell me things that are blatantly against what the scriptures say, and they've convinced themselves that it was the right path. And it's like, no, it's like our own hearts could lead us in a wrong path. So we have to be careful and make sure that we're looking at things from his vantage point. So there, how I said, faith is seeing life from God's perspective and taking action. Now, you're taking action no matter what it might look like, even if what God's revealing to you doesn't make sense, even what God is telling you to do is crazy. You know, even if what God is telling you scares the living daylights out of you, you know, you need to trust him and take action. Here, we're going to see just two examples, and obviously in Hebrews chapter 11, there's many, but Hebrews and throughout the scripture, there's many. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, it says this. By faith, Noah, when warned about things, pause. When warned about things, God warned them about things, revealing his perspective, God's perspective. So it says, by faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark, taking action, built an ark to save his family. Obviously, during that time and at that moment, he looked like he was crazy for what he was doing. But God reveals something from his perspective, and Noah took action, not questioning, not wondering. It's like, no, God spoke, and I'm going to act. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, it says this, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place, so right there, God revealed to him from his perspective that he needs to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, 
obeyed and went. He took action, even though he did not know where he was going. How many of us would go to a new place if we don't know nothing about where we're going, just that God told us to go? How many of us would leave our job and go to a new one just because God told you to go? How many of us would break away from a relationship that you know is completely unhealthy, okay? Like pretty much you know you're not married. I'm not talking about married couples here. I'm talking about you're dating someone and it's completely unhealthy and God reveals to you to go, but you want to stay. How many of us would go even though we don't know the consequences, even we don't know where all the chips might fall, all the puzzle pieces on the ground, you don't know how they're going to come together? I mean, the list could go on and on, but here Abraham, he was revealed to go to a place, and he packed up and left. And I wanted to give you that as examples of faith. Now, something I want you to realize, and this is important, and we even sang about this too this morning, about miracles. Faith is the doorway to miracles. If I would ask you before you would have came in today, how many of you would love a miracle in your life? It's like, yeah. It's like, Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Like, you know what I mean? You might go crazy. You put your two hands up and stuff. But check it out. Faith is the doorway to miracles. If you don't see, well, number one, God reveals you, reveals you from his perspective what he's doing, what he wants to do. Then you have to take action on it in faith. Here I want to show you something very interesting with Jesus in Matthew chapter um, 13, starting at verse 55. Here pretty much Jesus is in Nazareth, and while he's there, pretty much this is the talk of the people near them. Him, it says this, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? When then did did this man get all these things? Now, I'm just going to pause there for a second. Everyone that pretty much there that what they were talking, they're interpreting Jesus through their five senses and their reasoning. Hey, you know, like, isn't that the same person we've seen grow up? You know, that can't be God. They're interpreting everything through their senses and their reasoning. And they've come to a conclusion pretty much that Jesus can't be God. And then it says this in verse 58, skipping down. And he, referring to Jesus, and he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. Because of their lack of faith. So that was in Nazareth. Everyone there saw Jesus not as God, you could say, but they were seeing him as Mary's son, you know, mentioning his brothers and just highlighting the fact that he can't be God type of thing. But he, they were interpreting everything through their own senses. And because of that, their lack of faith, it says there Jesus wasn't able to do any miracles there. Because of the lack of faith. So I wonder how many miracles God wants to do in your life and in my life. And because of our lack of faith, 
all of a sudden we limit what God's able to do in our lives. God's more than able and to do whatever he wants, but our own lack of faith pretty much becomes a barrier to the blessings that God wants to do in our own life. There's going to be a statement behind me. You could write it down if you want. It says this, if you see your life through your perceived reality instead of God's, you will close the door to miracles in your life. If you see your life through your perceived reality instead of God's, you will close the door to miracles in your life. Reality is so much more than what we could see, what we could smell, what we could hear, what we could touch. It's so much more than what we could um, interpret through our own five senses. And the reality is that I don't want to base pretty much what the truth is on what I'm interpreting from my own human senses. I want to see things through God's reality, through his perspective, through his vantage point. No matter, no matter the mountain before me, no matter the giants before me, no matter the problems I might be in, no matter the sickness that I might be encountering, no matter the drama that might be happening in my family, no matter the circumstances that might be whispering to me that I'm pretty much going to be defeated, you could say. In the end, it's not that voice that's the final voice. It's God's voice. And I want to be able to hear his voice so that I would be able to stand firm in what God is saying to my situation and not amplify the noise that I'm hearing and the static that I'm hearing. Because you know what? You need to silence the noise and the static and amplify and turn up the voice of God in our lives. But you know what? Many times we do the reverse. We silence God's voice. And we amplify what our haters are saying. We amplify what our enemies are saying. We amplify what the drama is saying. We amplify what the doctor is saying. We amplify what the bills are saying. We amplify so many other things in our life when God is like, hey, I'm trying to get you to see things through my eyes, but yet you don't pause and take a moment to listen to my voice. What vantage point are you living your life right now? At this moment, if I would ask you right now, and you need to answer, it's like, do you really see life through God's point of view? Through his perspective and vantage point? Or are you seeing life through your own eyes? Because you could easily miss out on what God is doing. Something that's interesting is that we need to pray and ask God to open our eyes. One of my favorite stories is in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15 through 17. Pretty much, an enemy nation was coming against the Jews. And there, Elisha is there with his servant. And they woke up in the morning, and the story continues. It says this. When the servant of the man of God got up, and he went out early the next morning, an army of horses and chariots has surrounded the city. And he says, oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. I don't know about you. Have you ever been surrounded by issues and problems and circumstances and enemies? Maybe you haven't been surrounded by chariots and horses and enemies that are ready to attack you in that way. But I guarantee you, all of us, we've been surrounded. 
at one point, okay? And I don't know if you ever had that same response as that servant. Oh, no, my Lord, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? All of a sudden, why is he so concerned? Why is he so worried? Why is he so anxious? Why does he feel so defeated? Is because, you know what? He saw those horses and chariots. He's probably smelled those horses and chariots, too. They stinky sometimes. The, the horses, you know, they leave things. So, you know what I mean? Like, all of a sudden, he saw them. He smelled them. You know, pretty much, who knows? He might have felt them. As they were approaching, all of a sudden, through his senses, he was interpreting that things were over. He was seeing things through his perspective. But then here, Elisha shows them that, you know what, servant, um, there's a completely different vantage point to this. That looks like reality to you, but that's not really reality. I'm going to show you the real reality. And then it says this, don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elijah prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, on, and, he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. Now think about that. Like there, Elijah prayed for God to open his eyes. And let me tell you something. We got to pray today for God to open our eyes. To, for God to open our eyes. And there were chariots of fire. He thought they were by themselves. But Elijah knew he wasn't by himself at all. And what's amazing too, that the chariots of fire were all around Elisha. Why, why weren't they around the servant? They were around Elijah because that was his reality. He was seeing things through God's perspective. And when, when he, God opened his eyes, then he saw that there was more happening in the spiritual than in the physical. Even in this room, there's more happening in the spiritual than in the physical. And for each of us, we need to ask God to open our eyes. I never, I'll never forget, there was, it's happened to me a couple times when there were moments where I felt through my five senses, all alone, surrounded by my enemies, you could say. And God opened my eyes, and as clear as day, I remember specific days when I just knew that there was an angel standing in the corner of the room, keeping guard, watching out for me. And God reminded, Carlos, you're not by yourself. You're not by yourself. You're not alone. You're my child, and I am on your side. But God opened my eyes and I saw, and in that room there was drama, there were circumstances, there were things being said, but I just glanced over and a couple times I would look at that corner and I would know that I'm not by myself. There's a greater reality. Many of us know the story of Moses when he led the Israelites out of Egypt. And we're going to highlight real quick from Numbers chapter 13 and 14. You could read it on your own, a couple major things. But you know, they crossed the Red Sea. They're heading towards the promised land. Everyone's excited, you could say. But then all of a sudden, there's spies that are sent out to the land to find out how the land is, to find out how things are going there. And when they came back, there were two that had a good report. Who were those two? 
Joshua and Caleb had a good report. Who were the other 10? Who were the other 10? Wait, wait. Who were the other 10? It's amazing. We know Joshua and Caleb, but the other 10, what are their names? It's in the Bible, but do we really remember them? It's like for here, all of a sudden, a mixed report came. But something that's amazing is that when they came back with the mixed report, and we're going to read the story, and, but before we even um, get there, I want to just highlight this. It's going to be behind me. Their entire generation missed God's purpose because of lack of faith. An entire generation ended up missing what God had for their lives because of the lack of faith of those 10 that came back and everyone believing more those 10 than what Joshua and Caleb had to say. Think about that. And even more, I want you to think, it's like, are you missing out what God has for your life because of your lack of faith? An entire generation missed out on what God had. And I wonder if we're missing out. Because you know what? Not to say anything. But as Christians, we have an amazing way to justify things in our minds, to make us feel good in our hearts, and think things are okay with between us and God. You know, we do pray once in a while. We do go to church. We do open the Bible once in a while. We do have a relationship, but are we living from God's vantage point in faith? Because let me tell you, there's a lot of Christians that ended up, end up dying, never fulfilling their destiny in God. In my opinion, it's the majority of them. Because they've dumbed down and pretty much watered down what it means to have a relationship with God just to a nice conversation here and there. To have a true relationship with God is following God no matter where he might lead, following God, obeying him at his word, no matter what you're looking at, surrendering your life completely and laying your life down and being a true disciple of him. I don't know where you are today, but I tell you this much, I don't want to live my life pretending. I don't want to live my life faking it. I don't want to live my life missing out. I don't want to live my life just going halfway chasing after God. I want to go all in and just give God my all. Because in the end of the day, I don't know how many days, months, and years I'm going to have here on this earth. I know, obviously, I'm going to be with him forever. But while I'm here, I want to give him my all, chasing after him and seeing his kingdom come here on earth as, is, as it is in heaven. I want to highlight Numbers chapter 13, verse 27 to 28. It says this, they gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here it is. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. Sk skipping down to verse 30, it says this. Then Caleb, I love the next word, silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can cer certainly do it. 
Certainly do it. Then it continues, but the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored, they said. The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. There, um, The descendants of Anak came from Nephilim. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same to them. Now, continuing in verse, um, chapter 14 in the first um, verse, it says this. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept out loud. Aloud, All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If we only had died in Egypt or in this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? That doesn't even make sense. You were in slavery in Egypt. It's like, wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said that to each other. We should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Real quick, I'm going to highlight five key points. Number one is this. Your own reality can exaggerate your difficulties. Your own reality that you see from your perspective can exaggerate your difficulties. Here they're saying they can't defeat them. And who did they just see God defeat before their eyes? The strongest nation of the world of that time. They witnessed God defeating Pharaoh and the strongest nation in the world. But now all of a sudden, they're buckling in their shoes because of this army that it's in no way, shape, or form could compare to, the, um, to Egypt. And what's interesting, too, with this, you know what's interesting? That if you read the Bible, in the passage when the next generation ends up going, okay, to the promised land, the giants of that land, pretty much the people from the land end up, end up saying, you know what? We've pretty much lived in panic for the last 40 years because we've heard the stories of what your God did in Egypt. So even though the Israelites, from their vantage point, they felt like the giants were too big and they couldn't overcome them. But all that time, they have been hearing the stories of what happened. And they were panicking of the Israelites. But yet, the Israelites didn't want to see it from God's vantage point. Number two is this. Your own reality can underestimate who you are in God. Your own reality can underestimate who you are in God. Here they are giving the report, and they're saying, we're like grasshoppers. We're like grasshoppers. It's like the, the, pretty much saying it's like we're insects instead of children and warriors for God. It's like all of a sudden they underestimate who they are, even to the point that if you read that passage, it says they think that we're insects too. Nowhere it says there that they said that they were insects. That was their own conclusion in their own mind. But a lot of times we tend to project what we feel in our heart and think everyone feels that way as well. The third point that I want us to take home is discouragement enjoys a pity party. Whenever there's discouragement, we enjoy a pity party. We love 
teaming up with people that feel the same way so that we could all like pretty much talk the same way and be discouraged. So here we saw in chapter 14, there were 10 of them that gave a negative report, two that gave a positive one, but yet the discouragement spread so much among them and they had a pity party. They literally had a pity party. And I don't know about you, but right now in this moment, sometimes the enemy uses certain friends, certain family members to discourage us and to play the background music and sounds to the pity party that the enemy wants us to make. So all of a sudden, we could be missing out what God has for us because we've paid more attention to the background noise of the pity party that's been amplified through those that are around us. Some of us, we got to change our friends Some of our friends are keeping us away from the destiny that God has for us. I'd rather lose my friends than miss out on what God has for me. It's better to lose your friends than to miss out on what God has. And some of us have a choice to make. Number four, statement number four says this, complaining is a sign of lack of faith. Complaining is a sign of lack of faith. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole assembly said to them, if we only had died in Egypt, oh, that would have been better. I'd rather die in Egypt in slavery. I'd rather die in the adventure that God called me on. On the front lines to get to the promised land against giants that, who knows, might be bigger than I am. Then die in Egypt as a slave. How does that even make sense? But to them, they actually believe that that's true. But think about that. uh, Complaining is a sign of lack of faith. Do you complain a lot? Because let me, all right. (laughs) When you complain, it's because you're interpreting things through your five senses. It's not how you feel. It's not, you don't like how you feel. It's not, you don't like what you're seeing. You don't like what you're touching. You don't like, you know, what you're smelling. If you complain a lot, that's a good sign that there's a lack of faith in your life. Because when you look at things from God's perspective, it's completely different. And the fifth one is this. Is this. Our own reality can cause us to give up on God's dream for our lives. Our own reality. So here, uh, just to highlight again, in Numbers 14, um, 3, wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? Pretty much their own reality brought them to a place that it was better to give up on what God had for their lives. You know, today, as we continue this theme of more than conquerors, I don't know where you are, but God's calling you to be more than a conqueror. If everyone could bow their heads. And as I said before, faith is seeing life from God's perspective and taking action. And I don't know where you are in your walk with God. I don't know if you've settled where you're at. I don't know if right now you're like, you know what, it's better for me the way it was before I knew him. Let me go back to Egypt. It's better for me to live in sin and in slavery 
than to live on, in the adventure that God has for me. Sometimes, too, safety is one of the biggest enemies to faith. Some of us, we, we just feel safe where we are. We don't want to step out going to the promised land because we'd rather be in Egypt because it's safe. It's what we know, what we understand. We, we pretty much know how things flow in Egypt. We don't know what comes before us. But God's calling us to have a faith like Noah. God's calling us to have a faith like Abraham. God's calling us to this amazing adventure to have faith Believe in him for miracles, to see things from his vantage point. And I don't know what you're going through right now. Maybe you're going through a situation that you're like, you know what, God, I need to see things through your eyes. And if that's you, I'm going to ask you to come forward now. I don't know if you're here and you just know that you've pretty much decided to live an average Christian life. A life following God, not following an adventure, not following his voice, not obeying where God is leading you. But you've decided, you know what, as long as I go to church once in a while, it's okay. As long as I do what's good for me, it's okay. But God's calling you to the greatest adventure that you could ever imagine. He's calling you to make sure you reach the promised land of your own life. Are you reaching the promised land of your own life? Remember, a whole generation missed out on what God had for him, for them because of lack of faith. And I wonder if you're missing out what God has for you because of lack of faith. The altar is open now as well for anyone that's starting now you're drawing the line on the sand and you're saying, you know what, God? I no longer want to live life interpreting things just through my five senses. I want to see things first through your vantage point, putting you first than anything else. And during this song, as Pastor Harold leads this song, if that's you, that you want to live this life in faith, trusting him for the impossible, trusting him for the miracles, trusting him for mountains to move, trusting him when you feel completely alone, trusting him when you feel completely surrounded, that God is there. I want you to come forward as well in faith, trusting him and committing to him that you will listen to his voice before anything else even if it doesn't make sense. Father God, as we're gathered here as a family, uh, even now we just raise our hands and surrender. God, we want you to have your way in our lives. Open our eyes, God. Open our eyes. Help us see things through your vantage point. God, forgive us for complaining. Forgive us for worrying so much. Forgive us, Lord God, for allowing the report of man to just consume us. God, teach us and help us to silence the static, to silence the noise. And God, teach us to hear your voice every day, God. Help us amplify your voice in our lives. 
And God, we do not want to walk in circles through our lives and miss out on going into the promised land that you have for each of us, God. But God, we want to go in and conquer the enemies, conquer the areas you want us to conquer. And we want to see that victory, God. And we trust you in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen, amen. God bless you. Enjoy the rest of the service. And happy Mother's Day again.